You are listening to Sheep Might Fly, a podcast of serialised fiction written and read by Tansy Rayner Roberts. Our current serial is of knives and night blooms. I'm sorry I wasn't here last week, but I was in Melbourne to see the uh, the big production of Moulin Rouge. I regret nothing. Uh, it was a fantastic show. If, you, if you're near Melbourne or you get a chance to go, I highly recommend it. I already have friends who have booked for... Um, <laughs> booked for later in the year to come over from Tasmania because uh, I was raving about it just a bit. It's it's in the most beautiful theatre. Um, oh, for for those of you who who remember the Creature Court books, it was all very Alfler, uh, beautiful, beautiful Gothic theatre. Uh, yeah, the whole thing was wonderful. Anyway, so we're back with of knives and night blooms. I also want to shout out, since those of you who li- are listening, I assume, enjoy audiobooks and audio fiction, uh, the new professionally produced audiobook of the first three Teacup Magic novellas is out in the world. I haven't seen the links yet. It is in the process of appearing at places like Audible or... I guess Spotify, all the places where you might buy audiobooks, it should be slowly appearing over the next couple of weeks. If anyone sees uh, sees it or finds a link, please send me the link and show me it's there. Um, yeah, I'm very excited to share this. Emma Newman has the most beautiful voice and it's just a really great production. I'm really proud of it. In the process of uh, working on the next professional audiobook, uh, which will be of Time of the Cat, a book that's coming out early next year. It was funded by Kickstarter. And this week I was listening to narrator auditions. Uh, It's quite lovely to be able to pass the job of reading the book prettily to the hands of a professional, much though I enjoy uh, my little DIY efforts here on the podcast. Uh, Speaking of which, we are up to Chapter 19 of of knives and night blooms this chapter is called and three crows despite what the ballad said it was rare for priests of the black raven to do battle with each other the clerics of the silver hawk that was another matter even the knights of the bright owl had been known to have a skirmish or two usually over healing theories or the theft of potion ingredients. The friars of the Golden Phoenix had regular duels, but as they mostly involved lutes, oil paint, or ritualised dance, no one had ever worried too much about them. There was, of course, the tragic romance of Talisker and Marchand, centuries ago. Two priests of the Black Raven, whose violent love-death triangle with a foreign queen had inspired poetry and art. But they were the exception, not the rule. For the most part, the priests of the Black Raven experienced little conflict amongst themselves if you didn't count the colossal chaos theatre of Icarus and Valeria's on-again, off-again marriage. I'm here, said Icarus. Let's do this. The silken hair had swept on its way down Coronas, taking them away with it to the relative safety of the temple gates of Phoenix Burning. 
Marty and Valeria were elsewhere, making their own choices. Icarus knew they had a plan. At least one of them would be hiding nearby within crossbow range, though there was literally nowhere to hide. He didn't need to know what that plan was. He had always expected to come for Calix alone. It did not take long to walk across the cauldron. This tiny pile of grey pockmarked rocks was only marginally larger than the barge he'd been living on all week. From here, you had a perfect view of the three tines of the River Divine, where they forked into the three crows, Coronus, Corby, Corax. Icaros was not looking at the view. Reynard Calderon stood near a tethered ship that shouldn't exist, an ethereal yacht-shaped silhouette of feathers and shadows. Icaros had heard legends about the raven's ship, songs. He'd never expected to see it with his own eyes. The bow was not visibly armed, which meant little when it came to their kind. He wore a formal feather-braced jacket, tailored and ornamented, over soft black Larkflax trousers, the standard working outfit for them all. Black feathers at the collar, a wing print stamped into the leather of his boots. A light trail of silver embroidery traced around Calderon's buttons. The coat met at the base of his throat, secured by a brooch that Igoros recognised. Silver and blue enamel, depicting a decorated stave. It belonged to Bors, their fallen comrade. Calix was there, standing a little way off in her bright colours, that were always so jarring to Icaros's eye. She didn't have a coat, not even a hood or scarf to cover her shaven head. It was chill on this rocky island, exposed to the weather, the first chill that Icaros had felt since summer began. He wanted to give her his coat. Why hadn't Calderon done that? Uh, of course, Calderon was not magically compelled to serve Calix to the end of his days. Why didn't you kill her? Icaros asked instead. Is that all you have to say? said Calderon. Seems time sensitive. She's your mark. Why isn't she dead? Why are you helping her? Calderon demanded, his voice trembling with anger. Blood and endless. What's going on with you, all of you? You don't think I deserve to know? Ask the Black Raven, Icaros hissed back, and oh, he was angry too, but not at the man in front of him. He allowed this to happen, all of it. I told you back at Cask and Barrels, four of us were given the same mark. That's impossible, Calderon said. I don't know what your game is, but I trust our God. Would he have given me the ship? Would he have let me take your precious petal out from under your nose with a shadow portal, if he wasn't on my side? We're all supposed to be on the same side, Icarus grated. If you didn't have some doubts, Calix would be dead on the deck of the silken hair. You're questioning this, aren't you? Perhaps you can't handle the Black Raven having a new favourite, Calderon snarled. It's always been you, hasn't it? We looked up to you, me and Bors. 
We were kids when we signed up and you were the hand. You made it all look so easy, so meaningful. We hung on every word you said. I'm aware, said Icarus. They'd grown out of it, thank the nameless fiends. Somewhere between the ages of twenty and thirty, the kids who came up in service to the Black Raven eventually grew into allies and colleagues. It was always a good day when they stopped looking at him like he'd stepped out of a scroll of epic murder poetry from ages past. They never stopped looking at Valyria like that, of course. Mardi was the first priest in two generations who managed to treat Valyria like an equal rather than a terrifying gorgon. What did the petal promise you? What did she pay you? Calderon went on, fuming. I've had you watched for days. How long have you been bent, Icarus, ready to sell your loyalty outside the raven's service? His voice trembled on those last words, as if he was only just holding on to reality. Oh, said Icarus, this is about Bors. He'd been the nearest when Bors the stave was stabbed through the eye by his own mark, a paranoid merchant who got in a lucky blow. Icarus had been summoned by the vigils to take the body back to Raven's Gate. He'd been the one to break the news to Mardi and to Calderan. Mardi, numb with grief, forgave him for being the messenger. Apparently Calderan never had. Seven months had passed since then. Icarus should have noticed that one of his colleagues, one of his friends, was still burning with resentment. When you stopped noticing things like that, it meant you were slipping too far from basic humanity. Easy enough to do when the decades slid past faster than they should, and your body never altered. So what is this, he said dangerously. You want to kill Calix in front of me, to show me how good you are. Want to make some kind of performance out of it, so the Black Raven will like you more. That isn't our way, Bo. Neither is letting all this personal shit get in the way of your job. Reynard Calderan was weeping now, tears wet on his cheeks. Personal shit? I'm still grieving our friend, who's been gone five minutes. He was like a brother to me, and you didn't wait a month before fucking his wife. Ah. In my defence... Icarus started to say, but it was too late for reason. The bow flew at him, a curved scythe knife in each hand. Icarus hadn't armed himself. He usually had a few weapons here and there, but he wasn't known as the hand for nothing. They fought hard and fast, darting in and out, Icarus keeping distance from the knives, Calderan dodging what direct blows he could. Icarus fought with his whole body, hands and feet and forearms, snatching knives where he could, hurling them to the rocks. Calderan wasn't as fast as Valeria at finding more blades within the folds of his coat. Painfully, step by step, Icarus pressed him back, their boots slipping on the rough rocks. Blow after blow. Icarus got one in for every four that Calderon dodged, was slashed bloody once for every nine swipes that Calderon made. 
One smack in the mouth was particularly satisfying. Calderan spat blood and kept fighting. Icarus kept pushing him, taunting him. A fourth knife hit the rocks. Icarus was grabbed from behind, and it was only when he saw Calderon caught up in the same wild, tangling green vine that he realised it wasn't his opponent who'd seized hold of him. It was Calix. Of course it was Calix. She shimmered with power now, with that foreign magic of hers all colours. The vines she'd used to snare them both were growing from between the rocks, Nothing had grown on the cauldron for decades, centuries probably. Enough, she declared. Icarus felt a wave of magic blanket him. The bond between them had been strained before because of the distance, because of his failure to protect her. Her magic wrapped around him now, felt like summer and shade root and warm tea all mixed together. It felt sweet blissful. It made him want to laugh out loud. Should have killed her when you had the chance, he confessed giddily to a bewildered Calderon. Luckily, the bond read the warmth of his tone instead of the words he was saying and gave him the benefit of the doubt. Damn it, he was wrecked by this woman. How are you doing that? sputtered Calderon to Calix. The Black Raven shrouded you, cut off your magic. Your god is losing his touch, said Calix, chin high, eyes gleaming with confidence. Perhaps he's not as fond of you as you think he is. She was marvellous. Icarus had to get a grip instead of mooning over the petal of the Imperium like he was a page boy with a crush. Start by telling her who hired us, Bo. All four of us. I know you've worked it out by now. Calderan looked furious. A client that none of us can afford to offend, he snapped back, struggling against the impossible vines. So the king, or the thirteenth treasure, said Icarus. It's one of them, or her family back home, and I don't think somehow that the Black Raven would be quite so amenable to foreigners smashing through temple protocol. Calix looked startled, as if it had not occurred to her that Icarus had thought all this through quite so carefully. For a moment the vines fell slack. The bow of the black raven screamed, a howl that was more prayer than protest. Black feathers poured out of his mouth, like a swarm of bees, swooping around Icarus and Calix, stinging their skin. Behind them, the feather ship folded in on itself, like a crumpled piece of parchment. Mardi and Valeria, both armed with knives and crossbows, fell out of the darkness, rolling on the rough surface of the rocks. Oh, that was where they'd been hiding. Smart. The remains of the Ship of Shadows hovered over them all for a moment, a threatening cloud of the Black Raven's disapproval. I didn't kill the petal on your barge, Reynard Calderon yelled into the storm. Or Mardi, or Valeria, I always planned to kill you all right here, under the auspices of the god 
you betrayed. He said, God. But Icarus heard, friend. There was that anger again, bubbling against and under Icarus's skin. Start with me, he roared, and ran at Calderon, letting his fury carry him forward. He felt Calix's magic tugging at him, trying to drag him back, but he had momentum on his side. It was, after all, a very small island. The hand of the Black Raven slammed into the body of the bow of the Black Raven, throwing both of them backwards, over the edge, into the River Divine. Thank you for listening to Sheep Might Fly. This podcast was recorded on Palawa land. I acknowledge and pay respect to the Tasmanian Aboriginal people as the traditional and continuing custodians of Lutruwita, Tasmania. Sheep Might Fly is produced and edited by Andrew Finch. You can sign up to my author newsletter for updates. Follow me on Instagram, Blue Sky or Threads at TansyRR. And if you like this podcast, consider supporting me at Patreon, where you can receive all kinds of bonus rewards, early ebooks, and exclusive stories for a small monthly pledge. At some point, those exclusive uh, or the early ebooks is going to include the ebook of this very book. When I finish writing it, I will see you next week for more of Knives and Night Blooms. Mm-hmm.